Hi there, and welcome to the Jeff MacArthur Podcast for this Tuesday, September 22nd. Coming up, we're going to talk about the current financial situation for Canadians, word of a new Gord Downey album coming out next month, and BC calling an election in the middle of a pandemic. All of that straight ahead right now here on the Jeff MacArthur Podcast. There's an interesting survey that's come out regarding Canadians and their finances during the pandemic. According to the CPA, they say that working Canadians are better off financially, but at the same time, working Canadians are more financially stressed than ever. Joining us now for more on this, 640 Toronto personal finance expert Rabina Ahmed-Hawk is on the line and joins us here on Global News Radio. Rabina, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. All right, this survey seems to be telling us two different things at the same time. So let's uh, break it down a little bit. What has working Canadians, first of all, feeling so good about their finances, do you think? Well, they're not exactly feeling good about their finances. They're just saying that they have been able to save more. Uh, 62% of workers are saying they're actually saving more this year than they were last year, according to the CPA study. And that's because... So many things that we normally spend money on have been taken away by the pandemic. Childcare, transportation, entertainment, vacations, really big ticket items that we simply don't even have the ability to spend the money on. I didn't go on a summer vacation this year, and that's thousands of dollars that I normally would have spent taking my family somewhere to have fun during the summer holidays. But because of what's been happening with the pandemic and because we're now looking at this second wave, a lot of Canadians are, even those who are working, because that's who they spoke to, was working Canadians, are feeling very financially stressed about their future because their job doesn't feel as secure, maybe, than it has in the last six months. So that's what's got them stressed, is basically the unknown, the short and uh, long term, not only about uh, COVID and their health, but uh, also, of course, uh, their job and whether or not it's uh, going to be there in another month or two, particularly if we do indeed see a true second wave. Yeah, I mean, the survey is interesting because it showed that year over year, 10% of us more are more stressed about our financial future. And, you know, we could be feeling great about the fact that we have been able to continue to work from home. We have been able to not have a disruption in our paycheck. But going forward, um, life is still getting more expensive. And uh, as we, if we see the economy shut down again, companies may simply be, be not, not be able to afford to keep certain employees on. Even in the big corporations that have been able to send their employees home, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a business. And if they need to cut costs somewhere, um, they are going to cut labor costs first and foremost and because that helps them save a lot of money. And so that is really what's leading to a lot of Canadians saying, even though I'm working, I'm still not feeling very good about my future. And if this is what working Canadians, Rabina, are feeling, I can only imagine what those who aren't working or have lost their job already, what they're feeling. Yeah, so this is the thing, that the, the, the gap is widening between the people who have been able to save and people who have, have basically gone on CERB or are now looking to transition to those recovery benefits that are going to start this weekend. That, you know, the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer. It never has that analogy or that, that saying been more true than right now. Uh, those people that have been able to hang on to their job have on average been able to save 28% of their after-tax income. Um, 
this is compared to, uh, you know, less than 2% that we were saving when we went into the pandemic. On average, Canadians right. put away about 7% a year. This is data that's gathered over decades. Uh, but going into the pandemic, because interest rates were so low, we weren't saving anything. We were just, you know, living the high life, buying everything we possibly could on credit and sort of just paying our debts. Now that we're at home, we're able to save more, but those th- th- that's really only specific for the people that are working. For those who haven't been able to find work because they got COVID-19, they have to take care of someone who's got COVID-19, they're immune compromised, or they work in an industry that's been decimated, they're the ones uh, that have been unable to save and, and are the most financially stressed going into, um, going into the fall because th- that, th- those jobs have not come back. And probably many of those minimum wage or lower paying jobs are not going to be coming back anytime soon. Absolutely. I have not heard that uh, fact. I just want to uh, have you repeat that and underscore it again. Uh, On average, uh, Canadians were saving less than 2%, but due to the pandemic, I guess thanks to the pandemic, it's it's up to 28% of their incomes now? Yeah, so it was immediately after the pandemic, uh, Canadians saw their cost of living uh, go down. I mean, all of a sudden, we were not using transportation. You know, many people were able to get their insurance reduced on their car because they weren't using their car. Childcare costs was a huge uh, cost savings for those were able to get out of their child uh, care centers. Uh, for many people, that's, you know, two, $3,000 a month they spend on child care. All of a sudden, that money, where does it go? It goes into savings. But the problem is those people being able, uh, able to save that much of their income, most of them usually go out and spend their money at restaurants and other establishments. And that money then flows into the pockets of those people who work in those establishments who often aren't making the big bucks. And those are the jobs that have disappeared. So really, the money that normally would flow from high in, higher income earners to those lower income earners um, has completely stopped and is basically just staying in the bank accounts of the people who um, are already in a better financial situation and are able to save more money. So just finally, Rabina, what's your best piece of advice, financial advice for people as we move into the fall, winter months and a second wave? So if you're working right now and feeling financially stressed, I feel you. But I definitely think those old school uh, things that I have been pushing for the last 10, 15 years, put some money away in emergency fund, uh, cash, high interest account, money that you can access very easily and quickly. If you were to lose your job, if you had to leave your job because of COVID-19, any of the above, um, you would need to have some cash that you could access even with all the government supports in place, you still may not be able to afford your, the life that you set up for yourself. Also, try to see how you can improve your cash flow situation. So if you are in a, a very uh, difficult situation financially, you want to talk to your bank, if you haven't already, to defer your mortgage. You want to talk to your utility companies about what, uh, what, what they have in place to help those people that can't pay their bills because um, many people who have been at home are actually complaining of energy bills being higher, utility costs being higher because they're moving, using more electricity and, uh, and gas. And so even though the province brought those rates down, we're actually using a lot more. And so those, those many of the people have been posting bills on Facebook. I've seen mm-hmm. uh, hundreds of dollars more than what they pay. So uh, tr- try to talk to those uh, utility companies to see what they can do to help you as well. All right. Good stuff as always. Rabina, thanks for this. Appreciate it. Thank you. 640 Toronto, personal finance expert Rabina Ahmed Hawk with us. Okay, uh, big news for Tragically Hip fans broke yesterday. We got word that a, how about this, a new Gord Downey solo album will drop next month. Here were some of the details. Is our buddy and music expert Eric Elper joins us now on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Eric, good afternoon. 
Uh, you mean that I don't get to name drop Stan and your Schmegney from SCTV? That you <laughs> Come on. Uh, forget about new releases. What about the Happy Wanderers looking back on Schmegney <laughs> Records? Yes, you can uh, name drop the Schmengies okay. without a okay. doubt. Right. Yes. Okay, so now now that that's over, let's definitely talk about Gordown. Yeah, um, surprising news uh, that uh, on October the 16th, there's going to be a double album from Gore Downey. This was um, pretty much the last album that he recorded before his unfortunate passing away. But word is that it's not the last batch of music that we may be getting here in Canada. Um, he certainly recorded a lot of material, but this was the uh, the last kind of album that he recorded just months before he passed away. And uh, they've already released uh, a couple of songs right now online, including there's one song called Hotel Worth and another song called Useless Nights. And both are available on Spotify and music streaming services now. Did they just come online or did they go live today? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, they they went online today, uh, or, or yet uh, I think it was yesterday. Night, okay, uh, and his brother Patrick Downey has written in a statement that uh, that the album was pretty special, and you know, Gord wasn't in good shape, and you know, he was tired, he was exhausted, he certainly had a lot on his mind with his family and friends, and of course, his his cancer that that he was struggling to battle every single day, and there were times when you know he couldn't finish the day's worth of recording, so they kind of took what they had and with the help of uh, a number of people including Niall Spencer at the uh, production at the production and engineering helm Niall's uh, worked on a couple of Tragic Hip albums, including Man Machine Poem and also the last two Gore Downey records. So he trusted him immensely. So it's going to be a, a, a pretty special album. I know you and I, we've talked about Gord albums in the past and we've always said, you know, there's this gravitas, there's this heaviness because you know how it ends. I think we're going to go through that emotions all over again if people listen to this record. Well, this is what intrigues me about this project and about this album. This isn't some, uh, you know, a record company uh, that they've gone through the vaults and found a bunch of outtakes or songs that didn't make it on uh, a previous Gord Downing, a solo album. Again, this is something that uh, Gord uh, wrote and uh, recorded in his last days, three months, 90 days before, as you mentioned, his untimely death, uh, Eric. So it does carry a certain uh, poignance to it. If there's one band and one artist that I will honestly say that will never be exploited in terms of the quality of the material or just their cheap ripoffs for the fans, it's going to be the tragically hip. In fact, that um, there's talk that next year being the uh, the anniversary of Road Apples, that there actually might be um, uh, an expanded edition of it. So you know that you know the band and the manager and the record label all take great care in working with the tragically hip. It, they treat them with the utmost respect. And, you know, you can't really say that a lot about artists. You know, we've certainly seen our share of Tupac albums or or Notorious B.I.G. albums that were, you know, the slimmest of authenticity. Um, but, you know, I don't think we're going to have that problem when it comes to Gord's music. Now, we know the title of the album. It's called Away Is Mine. Do we know anything about the title? Why that is the title of the album? Can we read anything into that, Eric? Um, well, so far, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of uh, of, of interesting facts about the where the album title comes from. We know that there's a little bit of unguarded lyrical force at play. We know that it's it's pretty ambient, um, pretty dark. Um, his voice floats up on a lot of records, um, on a lot of the songs. Mike 
guess if I have to kind of, I don't know, if I have to read something into it, it's probably might be him thinking that, you know, once he goes away, it's, it's, it's his to have. It, it's his direction to take. It's his um, uh, momentum that he is going to be having once he passes on to to another world or, you know, just passes away. So that's what I'm kind of reading into it, but I might be totally wrong. Though. Well, listen, say, same here. That's exactly what I was reading into that title. And you and I here on the radio are doing what uh, hundreds of thousands of hip fans are going to be doing from coast to coast to coast over the next uh, little while, and particularly when the full album drops. Everybody is going to be examining these uh, lyrics and, and talking about these songs. Yeah, and, and that's okay. You know, that's what music is. It, it's purely for selfish reasons that we're allowed to look into a song and, and have it made up our, our own, especially when there's an electric version of the album, which you're going to be uh, CD or side one and two, and then the acoustic side, you're going to put your own mentions and your own memories and your own work into the lyric, especially during the time of COVID, especially during the isolation period. We're going to be laying bare our own thoughts and feelings and putting it onto Gord. Um, but even if he was around, I'm not so sure that Gord would want to explain his lyrics anyway. He was really never all that keen, which is probably why some of the greatest tragically hip songs, you sit there and listen and go, I don't know what he's talking about, but it just sounds very dark and deep. Yeah. Have we heard from the rest of the band about this album? Have they made comment? They have been really quiet. I mean, I'm surprised, yet I'm not surprised, uh, just how much uh, the rest of the band has kind of retreated, if you will, or uh, faded a bit into the background since Gord's uh, death. Yeah, you know, they haven't said anything about this project. They tend not to want to mess when it comes to Gord's solo work. I'm sure that they had a first listen um, for, you know, just their own vibe and their own material and their own opinions of it. But they've always kept things separate. Gord Downey recorded on Arts and Crafts record, which is home to Broken Social Scene, among others, while the Tragically Hip recorded for the Monster Universal uh, Records uh, record label. So they never kind of really cross business paths together, but I think that they're hard at work um, working on the archive material. There could be potential box sets coming down for next year. And I think that they're going to treat it like the Beatles. I think that they're going to be doing a lot of remastering sessions, a lot of reissuing of their past albums with previously unreleased material. Um, I do know that Ben Rayner, for, from the Toronto Star, uh, wrote the liner notes for the Gord Downey album. So people that have missed his writing uh, in the Toronto Star will will kind of be able to check out that. But yeah, you're exactly right. Um, the, the hip guys tend to be a little bit, not camera shy, because they're not shy. They just don't want to mess with, uh, with, with what was Gord's. Yeah, very respectful is what yeah. they've been and understandably uh, so considering not only what Gord obviously went through but that entire band this entire country just a few years uh, back here with uh, Eric Elper music uh, expert Eric also wanted to talk to you this afternoon about uh, BTS the K-pop sensation they've got a, a hot new song out called uh, Dynamite and coming up on uh, Friday they're doing something that I don't know if it's a first but it's a little different they've got a new video for the song that is actually going to debut inside a video game. Yeah, so anybody over the age of 30 can probably shut off now because you may not understand <laughs> a word that we're going to be talking about. But BTS is probably the biggest group since, I'm going to guess, maybe Nirvana 
probably the Bee Gees, most likely the Beatles. I mean, they are that big. They've broken worldwide records for most views on YouTube in the first 24 hours. They just had their first number one hit on Billboard. And, you know, what we're seeing are artists think about new ways to exploit their song and generate income now that there's no touring. They're actually going to be doing um, a, a concert and they're going to be releasing some new material and the video for Dynamite on the 20, uh, uh, tomorrow on the 23rd at 8 o'clock. And so this is a great way for Fortnite to work with the music industry in getting that kind of attention. They've worked with Steve Aoki and Deadmau5 and Diplo, three of the biggest DJs in the world, to have concerts actually in the Fortnite program. And so for parents out there that are like, wait a second, Fortnite's like pretty dangerous and it's, it's pretty violent. This all happens at the island main stage where there is no fighting, there's no combat, and it's just a chill-out room, which is perfect for the wholesomeness that is BTS. Okay, forgive my ignorance when it comes to Fortnite, but how exactly are they going to put BTS inside this uh, video game? Is it because it's an online thing and it's constantly changing, they can just drop content into it? Do you need to know how the Cadbury puts the caramel in the caramel bar? Um, you're, you're right. No, I just enjoy the Cadbury okay. bar. How it's going to work is, is Fortnite has actually built a live performance room um, in California, and they've got it set up so they can do a number of concerts, and the band can actually be there and will broadcast from the Los Angeles studio built for in-game concerts, and it's all part of a bigger plan for the virtual stage to be a very important part for musicians. So kind of like how we've seen musicians go online on Facebook from their living room, this is actually just going to be in a studio. I don't know if it's in L.A., so if you're a BTS fan, please don't get on the plane and go to L.A. They haven't really announced yet where they're doing it, but it looks like that it could be L.A., um, and they're just going to be broadcasting from there. Um, I, I've never played Fortnite before. I'm absolutely going to try it for this concert because I want to see how it's actually going to work out because this could be a huge part of the music industry now that we know that um, you know, platforms like TikTok may run into problems with, with Donald Trump wanting to ban it and who's going to buy it. It might be Walmart. It might not be. And now Facebook has announced in the last couple of weeks that they're going to be clamping down on artists doing cover songs because they're not paying the proper royalties mm. to the original recording artists. So this could be a really big way to reach literally tens of millions of fans um, in only a matter of a minute. So this is going to be really interesting to see how they do this. We are so far past the days of somebody taking that new video cassette down to Queen Street West and delivering it to much music, aren't we? Yeah. We are so far down the days of somebody deciding for us what we should be watching during the Much Music Countdown. Without a doubt. Eric, pleasure as always. Thanks so much, pal. Great. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Eric Helper, our music expert. Well, a bit of a surprise at a BC yesterday where Premier John Horgan called a provincial election, making BC the second province to hold a pandemic election. Richard Zussman is our colleague with CKNW in Vancouver and joins us now with more details here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Richard, good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for dropping by. Uh, how much of a surprise was this announcement by Premier Horgan yesterday? You know, this has been something that's been forecast over the last few weeks. And, you know, through the reporting I'd been doing and conversations I'd had with, you know, members of uh, Horgan's team and others, 
uh, it was pretty clear this was going to happen, uh, that we had gotten to the point where uh, Horgan believed uh, that this was the right time to call an election for various different reasons, uh, partly a disintegrating relationship with the Greens, but also political opportunism and looking at the polls and seeing that he doesn't believe things are going to get much better than this. And if he waited until the spring or even the next fixed election date, the fall of 2021, that the pandemic could be worse, the economy could be worse, uh, that the voter uh, satisfaction could go down. Uh, in the most recent polls that judge the popularity of premiers in this country, John Horgan was number one with a bullet, and he's been that way for the last few polls. He is incredibly popular here in the province. Uh, many believe he has done a really good job at managing the pandemic, uh, and now he wants to go to voters and hope that hard work pays off and they repay him with a majority government, because I'm sure uh, some of the listeners know that he's been governing with a minority here uh, since the 2017 election. Absolutely. In partnership with the uh, Green Party, who have a fairly newly elected uh, leader who is uh, okay. none too pleased about this uh, call. As a matter of fact, the Greens are uh, calling this election call irresponsible. Yeah, a week on the job, Sonia Furston now is. She won the Greens leadership last week and now is on the campaign trail trying to recruit candidates, get 87 candidates nominated, uh, and convince voters that she should keep her own job. Uh, she's in a swing riding on Vancouver Island, and she'll be out today with Adam Olson, who is the other member of the Green Caucus. Andrew Weaver, the former leader, uh, was part of that caucus as well until he left to become an independent. And so she's calling this irresponsible. She's saying that she told Horgan that he had her confidence and that he could be comfortable governing with stability until October 2021. And Horgan obviously didn't believe that that was the case uh, and wanted that election. First, now says it's political opportunism, that it's unfair to British Columbians in the midst of the pandemic to be asked to think about elections and go to the polls. And so the Greens are not happy about this and trying to paint this as a power grab uh, by the NDP. Is that going to be essentially their campaign, do you think, Richard? And is it going to come down to uh, whether or not those in B.C. feel as if uh, Horgan and his popularity and the way that he has handled the pandemic, is that going to overrule uh, what is uh, seen by some, as, as we've been discussing here, as nothing more than opportunism and a power grab? Yeah, Jeff, that's what the NDP is going to try to do, is convince voters that Horgan is the one that can govern us through the pandemic, post-election, through the recovery, continue to manage cases, work with the uh, provincial health officer, Dr. Bonnie Henry. And so he'll try to sell that picture. The Greens and the Liberals will try to first make this seem like Horgan is in it only for himself, and then we'll eventually have to transition to what they are offering British Columbians, how they would manage the pandemic, what they would do with recovery money, and all of that is what uh, the campaign will be all about. It's, it's unlike any campaign I've ever covered before, obviously, with the pandemic undermining everything that is done, and it won't be traditional campaign events, there won't be traditional rallies, there won't be traditional platforms. It will be about a confidence in the voter about how they feel uh, that the leaders can best help them uh, deal with uh, COVID-19. Now, I was going to ask you just finally, Richard, you're absolutely right. This will be a campaign like uh, no other because it's happening during a pandemic. And I'm just wondering, your rock star uh, chief of medical officer, Bonnie Henry, <laughs> what has her response been to this when asked about holding an election during a pandemic? Was she basically holding the bridge of her nose and went like, no, and, <laughs> yeah. and she said it's not her choice, right? Politics is not her game. 
She is independent from government, although works very, very closely with government. And ultimately, it's not her choice when Horgan went to the polls. But And she says she's been working with Elections BC. They just did a great briefing, Jeff, here in BC uh, about how the election will work. And Dr. Henry has worked with Elections BC to make polling stations safer, to increase advanced polling dates, to increase voting by mail. So, you know, I'm sure Henry would have liked for there not to be an election, but she doesn't control that. So they're trying to make it so it's as safe as possible and as democratic as possible to ensure people have access to the elected officials and, and can hear their visions. All right. Going to be an interesting race, without a doubt, and we will be watching it with interest. Uh, Richard, thanks for this and appreciate the update. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jeff. Richard Zussman is our colleague out in Vancouver at CKNW. And that's been the Jeff MacArthur Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. A reminder, you can listen live weekday afternoons from 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time at 640toronto.com. Search my name on Spotify, Jeff MacArthur, or download us wherever you find your favorite podcasts.